0: Welcome everyone to CityWire's first ever Advice Around the World podcast. It's all about financial planning and the best stories we can find from the international planning community. We're Ian Horn and Amelia Garland from CityWire. We do similar jobs, but I'm based in London and Amelia works from our New York office. Amelia, tell us about what you do.
1: Thanks so much Ian. So I head up the relationship management for our U.S. business at CityWire, meeting with all the Yanks across the country. (laughs) I travel almost every week, well I used to, uh, meeting with independent registered investment advisors, learning about their unique founding story and how they thrive and differ. I also cover investment research analysts at the global private banks, broker-dealers, and consultants. All of my travels and meetings help to contribute content to our monthly publication and daily newsletter for CityWire, RIA, and Professional Buyer. The independent RIAs have been a huge area of focus the last two years for us. As you both know, it's a booming part of the industry with the number of breakaways that take place almost every day.
0: So so my role is similar. Um, There's more rain, tea, and sarcasm involved, but otherwise (laughs) pretty much the same thing. Um, I travel across the UK. I speak to financial advisors about how they're running their businesses. Uh, spreading the word about financial planning is a, a force for good. As it's not something that's always talked up you know, as a good thing, but it is. Um, I work across CityWire's new model advisor and wealth manager brands, so I also speak to wealth managers. Some private banks, a handful of family offices too, which sounds glamorous, but I also spend a lot of my life at train stations and in business parks. Um, I also write a regular column on fintech, which I call Ian's Tech Travels, very imaginative. Um, That takes a look at how planners can harness technology to be better, faster, more efficient, and so on. And and that's pretty much me.
1: So this is advice around the world. And in this podcast, we are going to share some unique stories and insights from financial planners. We are here to talk with the pioneers and trailblazers in our industry to understand not only the people behind the stories, but also find some fun and interesting facts about them along the way.
0: And first off, we have a man with his own Wikipedia page, that's some achievement Uh, A man who's been one of the Queen's official bodyguards, that's right, and is now based in Dubai and working hard to bring proper financial planning to an area that isn't really renowned for it. So, Sam Instone from AES International.
1: Welcome to Advice Around the World.
0: Sam, good to have you. How are you doing?
2: Good, thanks very much. Nice to be here.
0: Great. So we've mentioned some pretty big things there. Um, We'll get back to those shortly. Um, But without mentioning any of that, and by that I mean the Wikipedia page, I mean working for the Queen's cavalry, um, (laughs) I also mean Dubai as well. Imagine for a second that you're at a dinner party now and tell us something about you that we don't know. Something interesting.
2: Well, if I was at a dinner party, I would no doubt tell you the story about the day I saved the Queen's life. And... It's a little, I, I take you back and ask if you've seen the film with Kevin Costner um, when he saves Whitney Houston. Have you seen The Bodyguard?
1: Yep. I love it. Great. Great sometimes, I date, I,
2: sometimes I date myself when I ask, ask people that. Uh, it's I I
0: especially quiet for good reasoning. So. Uh, at, you've got at a the fan <laughs> here.
2: At the dinner parties, I take people back to that, or maybe sometimes in the line of fire and Clint Eastwood saves save the president from John Malkovich, and I then talk about the day I saved the Queen's life. I build it up. It, it, I can't tell you the whole story here because we haven't got enough time, but it's one of those fairly tall stories, which actually uh, the bullet wasn't a bullet, it was an egg. I wasn't that close <laughs> to the Queen and it was the Scottish throwing an egg at me. And I like to make that story quite long. <laughs> uh, I, and it builds up to a, a big anticlimax of the, the day I took an egg for the Queen.
0: <laughs> In the line of fire nonetheless. In the line of
2: fire. <laughs>
1: and... I mean outside of saving the queen, which is which is a great story to kick off of. do you what are some noteworthy stories from working for the the royal family um outside of this and and you know what you did every day and are you even allowed to talk about it? I, I know you can't mention the full stories, but We'd love sure. to. We'd
2: love to hear more. Um, obviously, being in the military, it's an amazing privilege. Um, being in the, the House of cavalry the, the, when you're on ceremonial duty and guarding the Queen, uh, is a fan, fantastic experience, particularly for people relatively young. And um, being the captain of the guard, but I, th- I have a great story about the man which I shared a room with, and every night he would um, serenade girls, and I would tell them how terrible he was on the the guitar, he'd get out his guitar, start playing and singing to them and I'd shout through the wall shut up, shut up, you're no good and the the day we changed, I remember it well, the the last guard with each other, he was sitting on his horse whilst the the soldiers were changing and I said to him, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to become a pop star. I said, no you're not you're terrible and (laughs) within about three years he became the biggest selling singer in the world and it was James Blunt Uh, And I I lived right next to James Blunt for years listening to him and didn't appreciate anything and I sometimes take myself back and think if only I had told him he was brilliant I could I could have have carried his suitcases around the world could have organized his logistics followed him around the world had a rock star lifestyle but instead I get a much better job, financial services. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, I mean, James Blunt spends most of his time now making fun of himself on social media. So I think he might have agreed with you. Um,
2: yeah, he's but, great. great <laughs> guy. And
0: the great other fun. thing is, um, obviously we've we jumped into this, but but quickly, I'm going to ask you more about military service quickly, but um would be good to know about AES International, just so people listening know about you and your business and, and what you do.
2: So we uh, like to think ourselves as the organisation that goes Takes financial services to places which other financial services don't like to go. Uh, initially because I was in the military we specialized in uh, high risk and hazardous areas of places like Iraq and Afghanistan and wanted to export um, UK best practice at the time in order to support the firms which operated in that type of area and as we matured we decided to focus on the opportunity not really of hostile areas and hazardous professions, but exporting what we see as best practice from the American market, the UK market, um, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, where they have developed financial services legislation, exporting it into other um, parts of the world with an idea to transform, disrupt and innovate. So we spend a lot of time looking at best practice in the different markets and think how can we now transpose that in and around the Middle, middle East. Many firms don't like dealing with international cross-border, multi-jurisdictional or mm. um, dom- non, non-domiciled and that's exactly what, what we do. We only deal with non-residents or international professionals traveling around and we look at how can we um, take best practice from more developed, more mature markets and put it into our very much developing one.
0: Great stuff and we're going to get back to a lot of that stuff soon but I want to go back to the military service stuff because it's not every day we we speak to someone who's protected the queen from a flying egg.
1: Yep. <laughs> um,
0: so um, my next question is is in what ways did um, did military service influence you as a financial planner? Um, you know and, and not just in terms of you know military precision or things like that but did it kind of change your outlook on life as well?
2: Great question and I think the military, or a bit of the, being an officer in the military, it's about service, and our tagline and our cap badge, which is just "serve to lead." When we're at the Royal Military Academy, and I very much think that financial services should be a profession um, like other vocational professions, whether that's medicine, architecture, engineering, law, and where we serve others. And so the core values which are inculcated um, with within the military of knowledge, um, integrity, treating people like you want to be treated yourself or like they want to be treated and operating in teams, I think underscore why um, financial services should they say passion that it should be a profession not really the industry which it's often refer, referred to where people are vending manufacturing vending products we're really passionate that by serving others we can make it a profession and forge professional standards in markets where they they don't really have so well-developed professional standards
0: mm-hmm. um and, and can I just go a bit further with this question as well because i, I kind of suspect that you know being in the military you probably. You probably get a better idea of your life 's priorities, I assume, um, and, and does that in some way reflect when you 're speaking to a client and they 're not knowing what to do with themselves or not knowing the broader purpose of their finances? Um, d- does military service in some ways help you to de- deliver better advice uh, you know, in, in that in that perspective
2: well I, I think for, for me, we spend a lot of time looking at disk profiles and strengths finder, and it 's interesting as a planner. Um, and having coaching conversations of course in the military we have quite robust leadership um, stamped upon us and we have a robust leadership stamped upon us and can be fairly um, a good sense of humor on everything and I think being cognizant of different strokes at different for, for different folks at different times and when we're having coaching conversations i have to always make sure that it, it's about them it's about the client it's about their purpose and make sure that i'm um it's not making it about what i what i think and so i think it's got pros and cons both both ways but i think ultimately i took from the military great resilience, great adaptability, and great core, core values. Um, but I think in terms of planning, I think there's a time for coaching conversation, a time for leadership. And I like the leadership training that the military gave me and making sure that I can apply it different, at different times to different people.
1: And I've seen a lot of your work on on the website, and I, I looked at your blog as well on on promoting positive change. And what are some ways you've done that in your organization? And I'd love to jump into after that about the diverse group of individuals you've hired at the firm and how you find exceptional talent that, that helps promote positivity within, this or, within your organization.
2: Amelia, our mission, um, and thank you so much for looking in detail at what we do, so our mission statement is all of about posi- positive, positive change. And we look at that as trying to make incremental improvements or marginal gains Kaizen and how can we do that for our clients with their lives make lots of little adjustments um, and how can we do that for our marketplace when I talked about that transition from industry into forging transforming it disrupting it innovating it into um, a a better profession and we we think that that really underlines the planning process which we want to export and and, and deliver to our clients how can we make their lives better or more more on on purpose and our organizational purpose how can we make the community of which we're part part of here in the middle east better and we mm-hmm. want to be in constant momentum if i think about the darwinian quote it's not the, the most intelligent or the strongest that survive but it's the one most adaptable to change i think that adaptability um which we try to inculcate in um, our organization and transpose to make sure that our plans which we're delivering to clients are adaptable um, and constantly being changed in a positive way to create a better outcome for the client.
1: With the individuals at your firm um, and and when you're looking to hire what are some of the key attributes you look for in, in a financial planner when they're joining your firm?
2: We've found getting a right fit people the biggest challenge that, that we can and actually we think that the industry doesn't have the the last generation doesn't have the right fit people for what we want to do Um, and so we actually have an acronym we're looking for swans Um, so our ensemble practice or super ensemble practice of the future and how we we're on that mission to transform and change we're looking for smart people who work hard who are ambitious nice and selfless and we have We love swans on our screensavers, and we constantly think the people that we recruit recruit in at the bottom of the career track, um, our entry level position, our graduate scheme is um, for associates. And we were looking to bring in right fit associates who are smart, work hard, ambitious, nice and selfless, and make sure that they spend five years um, learning, um, doing their qualifications, it takes 10,000 hours or five years to become a chartered financial planner and a chartered financial planning firm um at that base level and then they progress the senior associate associate director and then di- director up that career career track but we see if we can bring in the right fit people um who are young who haven't necessarily been exposed to many of the practices which are common here in the middle east um then then we're on the right track we also have an, an acronym for exactly the people that we don't want but i'm not sure i can say it on your podcast <laughs> next time,
0: <laughs> next time. <laughs> I was gonna say do you, do you ever bring on anyone who's a bit older though just out of interest
2: and so with expi- experience hires so the um what not not so much so we think ideally um we would like to bring people in in at the base and we've been doing it for um, some some years and put them up and then we recruit and promote from from within I think it's difficulty with experienced hires is often they want to be paid for prior performance and we like um, paying for um, pe- recruiting people that can grow into a role and paying them for high performance not prior performance and so uh, I'm lucky that I've stalked enough other firms and, and spoken to enough other business leaders to be wary of the promises which people can bring um, and the different culture culture fit because we have a very specific culture we Um, very one way, one firm one farm and we talk about one crop, somebody plants a seed weeds it, waters it we grow a harvest and we all work together happily on the happy farm whilst we find if we recruit from people from outside they might bring a different investment philosophy a different process um, and different expectations so for us we're trying our hardest in most cases to recruit um at the base of the, the pyramid like a professional services firm both with accountants or lawyers
0: mm-hmm. uh, and to move this to something a bit different i mean we, i said at the beginning that you know my, my my role over the last it's been five plus years now has been traveling across the uk speaking to financial planners you know about what they do and whenever the Middle East is brought up or, or even Dubai in particular uh, people's opinions are, are quite low you know people talk about it like it's kind of a, the wild west for financial planning um and is there any truth in that Sam?
2: Well my uh, American history you know, I, I remember the wild west wasn't meant to be as Bad as it's portrayed on the westerns i think it was 1850 to 1910 and and there's lots of stuff saying the wild west isn't actually that bad and all of america at that time was quite bad but the rea- reality is probably worse than that in dubai because i think the medieval period went from 500 ad to 1500 uh, um so 500 years before the wild west and I'd say there's a lot of truth, if I'm honest, in the statements and expectations of people in developed markets like the UK, the the US or uh, Australia. We are l- millennia behind uh, and many of the stories which I could talk about in terms of financial genocide against expatriates, people simply wouldn't be able to com- com- comprehend uh, the whole um, s- systemic uh, there's a, a systemic problem here, which which puts us years and years and years and years, and years um, behind the Wild West, sadly. So i am saying that they're, they're, they're definitely true, but uh, yeah. probably, pr- probably giving us too much credit.
0: Well, to give some kind of usefulness to people that might be listening in that maybe aren't financial planners, or realise that most of the people will be listening will be. But um, say you're a client and you've just moved to Dubai, how would you spot, uh, financial planning or financial advice that doesn't have your best interest at
2: heart normally the the typical way would be that they, they would receive a cold call and so very much here it's um, direct direct cold calling and then meet a charismatic um, person possibly in a cafe who would uh, become maybe ca- become their friend invite them to golf go for drinks with them take them for a meal and then and probably sell them a long-term contractual saving saving scheme, um, which in the UK we call the maximum investment plans or endowment plans, which transfer a lot of commission, which is entirely undisclosed within this operating, operating environment or potentially they'd want to move their pensions. But basically it's characterized financial product sales here by cold calling, meeting charismatic, very outwardly trustworthy salespeople who are really selling a product.
1: Is it true that AES is the only fee-based firm in Dubai?
2: Yes. So the um, sadly here here in the Middle East they they don't, haven't even got to disclosure yet. So there aren't um, there isn't the commission the fees debate, um, which is better fees or commission because they're unlike post the FSMA two thousand the UK where you mm-hmm. had disclosure. Of fees and charges, here there there is none and I actually got um, a complaint filed against me here by a global product provider and I had written in the newspaper the, the total charges of a, of a product and somebody had, um, I write a newspaper column here for The National, somebody had asked um, how much does a product charge and in my response I had written the total amount which the client would have paid. So I added up all the little charges in the back, in the um, terms and conditions, and they actually put in a complaint against me because they said that it was potentially defamatory because it made them look bad in the wow. in the in the press. And the legal system here, when I I talked about the Wild West or slightly before that, the legal system here um, supports that type of case um, because you can't make here make anybody look bad. So By putting the total charges in in the hole I I made that global firm who adheres to best practice in most of the markets around the world and is at the forefront of treating customers fairly but here they make hay whilst the sun shines and don't want their uh, very expensive, opaque, inflexible, and the, in my view, toxic products, um, the charges made public.
1: I mean, that's a bit about how your peers react to that. Um, how do your how do your clients, uh, knowing that, that you are the only fee-based firm in, in Dubai?
2: I mean, it's, it's really about the education process, because of course, if you don't know what fees you're paying or what you're being charged, you think that everything's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's very hard to benchmark or anchor. And so we're, we're not we still haven't reached our commissions or fees better um, it's, do, you, do you think you're having free advice is, is that always in your best interest what are the possible um, drawbacks of free free advice but that's why we spend a lot of time on social media um, with digital marketing trying to educate our marketplace upon why we think um, fee based advice is in the client's best, best interest and what are the different parts of financial planning which we think are client centric and what do we think a great organization should be doing because it should be self-evident um for most businesses if they want to have a great future they should align with the client's best interest so for me there is no debate over fees or commissions we just want to align with what we know even if the clients themselves don't know isn't the client's best interest
0: yeah and you might have actually kind of answered this in part but um, you know how do you set an example for what financial planning should be because it seems to me like you're a very distinct firm within Dubai and you're taking things you've learned internationally and you're bringing it to that market so how do you make sure you kind of are that beacon that others can look to what, what do you do?
2: Well, I, I think uh, the challenge and the joy as well because I look at this I love the financial planning profession is creating a compelling proposition that helps people create Positive change in their lives and become the best versions of their, their selves and focus on life. And I think the key for us, the compelling um, value proposition for the type of clients which we want to, want to serve, um, ha, has three bits: it's financial planning. So we focus first on the financial plan, which is giving the client a plan um, for, for their life, so they can actually see. And that might be cash flow forecasting. And so that we can talk about um, oh, how much is enough, when can they retire and begin to answer life's, life's big, big questions. The second part is um, a systematic uh, evidence-based investment process, um, an understandable, defensible, intelligent investment philosophy, because then we know we can help clients stay the course um, and remain focused on their financial plan. And the third and final it would be fiduciary um, standards of service um, and inculcating that throughout our, our our business and we think that if we can build a, a leading compelling proposition for our clients then they, they will come and I feel very pri- privileged to be able to look into lots of developed markets having um, we are ultimately we're a UK UK business I can look into the UK I can look at a lot of the American firms a lot of the American bloggers a lot of the American knowledge leaders okay? Um, Canadians, the Australians, the New Zealanders. I can look at what works um, I can tinker with little bits and we ultimately have a blank canvas here in the Middle East, a huge opportunity to export best practice and ultimately um, create that ripple effect which not only really benefits the, the, those people we are serving but also hopefully in time the, the other firms will set up here and do the same type of thing and our market will become better
1: Mm -hmm. Do
0: you expect that to
2: happen? I thought it would happen quicker than it has. There are lots of challenges to setting up here in terms of uh, capital adequacy and licensing requirements. Um, But some people have come, but they tend to, in the Star Wars um, analogy, turn to the dark side quite quickly because you can make here a vast amount of money um, very quickly if that's what you want to do.
1: And for our final question now, Sam, you have our audience listening internationally. This is your parting shot.
0: So what advice do you have for the international planning community? Wow, my
2: (laughs) parting shot. No pressure, Sam, no pressure. To be honest, I've got probably a quick bit, which is I love um, my my who use Nerds Eye View, his blog. Uh, for me, that yes. was a pivotal um, the, the day I discovered I was on holiday in the UK and I'd Googled something, I discovered this blog, which had so much practice management knowledge, mm-hmm. so much best practice, interviews with so many other knowledge leaders um, that uh, I think it's been transformative. He's done so many um, life-changing articles and given so many um, free free resources. So I, I think subscribe to that. I, However, if that's a quick answer, I think keeping your peripheral vision open, because there are um, so many out there. If I think of um, international organizations, um, we've recently become certified by the Centre of Fiduciary Excellence. We're hoping to join the Global Association of Independent Advisors. I love stalking um, American <laughs> people like Zero Alpha Group, Ritzold, uh, Ritzold Wolf, Buckingham Asset Management, uh, mm-hmm. these great firms to learn in the UK. Humans under management produced um, Andy Hart from Maven Advisor, produces unbelievable videos uh, and knowledge, knowledge leadership. And I think keeping our peripheral vision open to what other Movers and shakers are doing around the world only helps mm-hmm. us build up our own best practice, and that's what I love about financial services. There's so many really passionate people who are committed to uh, believing that financial services should be a force for good, and that if we keep our peripheral vision open, we can learn and springboard our own organisations, our own businesses, and our own outcomes we get for clients much further forward. So peripheral vision, and of course, there's eye view.
1: Now you have to tell us, Sam, who was the last person you stalked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hmm. The I, I have been spending a lot of time, actually, uh, on Michael himself because he's recently joined Buckingham Asset Management, and yes. I think yeah. Buckingham Asset Management um adv- are interesting because they've they've got both the ensemble practice and the solo practice um they've merged um loring ward and buckingham advisor services i think have become mer- merged together and so they've got an ensemble practice and the solo um pra- practices and under Focus financial and i think that it's interesting because the soloist model is here to stay and you've got great passionate people adopting that and you've also got the move towards the the ensemble um, practice and i think what buckingham are doing in that space is exciting and interesting so i spent a lot of time talking them
1: well thank you so much for joining us this was an amazing discussion and we're, we're very excited to have you on our first episode of advice around the world
0: yeah thanks sam hope it wasn't too too daunting and intimidating a process for you but there's some <laughs> great stories there and it was really really great to hear about all of
2: that it's been a real pleasure thank, thank you guys
1: Thank you so much for joining us on our first episode of CityWire Advice Around the World. Again, we are Amelia Garland and Ian Horn, and we are here to find and share the stories behind the international financial planning community. Follow us on our next podcast to Australia.